And now, it's time for Miss Weed Wiki Speaks. Will, aka the Puffin Guru, who is owner of the cannabis and wellness brand called Grind and Grow Chicago. Grind and Grow produces an awesome wellness series on Instagram called The Inhale and Stretch. And as such, I recently had the pleasure of joining him for a session almost about a month ago at the beginning of December. So you can find this IGTV uh, Inhale and Stretch on my guest Will's Instagram. And if you're interested in seeing how uncomfortably and uncoordinated and stiff I was, go ahead and check it out. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I really had a great time. Um, (laughs) And I really appreciate you joining me today, Will. So thank you for joining us. Could you tell our listeners where you're joining us from? I'm joining you from Chicago in the unfortunate circumstance that is USA. I mean, it's actually on the list of cities I want to see. I came very close to visiting Chicago about, I want to say, six years ago. My dad was very keen on checking out a Black art festival there. It's great for culture. It's great for culture. Just America's weird. America's just always weird. So if you ignore that. That part, too. That's fair. That's definitely fair. Um, so thanks, though, for joining us. Tell me and our listeners, if you don't mind, more about your journey with cannabis. I'd like to know where it started and how it all started for you. Um, so cannabis for me started originally in college. Like, right, I literally I think, smoked the first time right before I went to college with a friend I used to do gymnastics with. Um, and it was funny because like my early, like I grew up and the D.A.R.E. program was there. And so I used to just all across the board was like, if it's in a needle, if it's a drug, I don't even want to do it. Um, but then towards like right before I went to college, um, I was kind of, I mean, I, I started going out a lot. So like, I'm, I'm the dude that like shows up at the party and then like he goes from zero to late leaning on a wall to why is he doing capoeira in the middle of the dance floor? Um, so, um, so around college I started, um, I only with selective people, like close people who knew me because I went to a predominantly white institution. So I really wasn't, I didn't want people to know I smoked because I didn't want people to associate, like stereotype me. Right. Um, but then as, um, and then, so cannabis was predominantly recreational for me, just hanging out with friends and stuff like that. And also associated with like going out. Um, and then after college, um, I started, to, I would say that my relationship with cannabis started to become very codependent. Um, cannabis went from just something recreational to if I wanted to disassociate from the world I used, if it was like end of the workday, it just kind of became all encompassing. Um, and and that that is when the existential, like asthmatic kind of smoking started where I would know uh, at that point I couldn't smoke my problems away because I'm a very analytical person and cannabis. If you, I mean, I'm pretty sure as you know, if it's beneath the surface, once you smoke, it just rises to the top. Um, and so I got to a point where I started taking um, cannabis breaks and then around taking those breaks was when I realized like how I was associating with cannabis. Um, so then it started to transition 
to primarily like, okay, I'm going to interact with cannabis in smaller dosages. I'm going to interact with cannabis more for like a lot. Like if I'm going to stretch, I'll smoke. Or it was more being like it shifted towards like the end of my uh, 20s towards being more of a like, I need to be understanding and aware of how I interact with cannabis. And now I'm at this point to where that now it's funny because now I started to talk, talk about like CBD, like CBD is something like within the last year or so that's like relatively new for me. Cause I started um, in Chicago's like underground scene. So everything was like, like I've had an edible that's like uh, 150 milligrams. And I was like, Oh my God. And then people start talking about CBD and you're like, I don't see the, I didn't see the purpose at it or the value at first. And then what ended up happening was like, I started to see the value of balancing THC with CBD and um, now that I'm a part of a, a cannabis review company, there's a lot of products that I have around me where I have a CBD topical roll on. I have a CBD, um, like just lotion, CBD face wash, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, so now I'm starting to see cannabis in more of a practicality use for everyday life beyond just the high. And so now my world has been altered in a way where it's like, Cannabis can be used for recreational uses, but you also have to know how your body responds to it. Um, because I'm at that point right now where I have to always keep looking forward of the next moment and I can't do couch lock. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So um, cannabis currently is, is now in a medicinal perspective where I know I need to learn more about the specific like terpene profiles, the specific um, chemicals, how it works, how it's grown. And that is kind of all a part of my journey in Grind and Grow Chicago. Right. And, and you're touching on all the major high points. I really appreciate that. Let's talk about, you know, adult use in Chicago. Uh, just for our listeners, just to educate them, adult recreational use cannabis became officially legal January 1st, 2020 this year. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so that's not too long ago. <laughs> it is not. <laughs> All right. So you're, that means you're coming up having lived through the first full year of legalization now uh, in Chicago. So what's that like? What's the cannabis community and industry in Chicago like right now? Um, so I think I would say that there are, there's a spectrum. That's how I would define it. Um, the underground community has been working to normalize the usage of cannabis free law. So that community still exists. And I would say a lot of that community are black and brown individuals um, because a lot of those individuals, I'm assuming, right, uh, speaking generally, are working in areas where, you know, you don't need to know that they're smoking because that could potentially end up in a lawful, you know, consequence. So the the underground community is there they're consistently doing their thing i would i would also say that that market is a bit competitive because like depending on who's just stopping in to purchase i think it's like a good thing because it's a lot cheaper than what you can go to um for the the stores to get right the dispensaries but then like as far as like those who are trying to make a name for themselves i think that it's very i mean because you know how the underground is it's very kind of like social based so there's, I think there's a little bit more competition, even though there, because, you know, you'll have people take things from other people and start their own thing and vice versa. As far as the, on the other end of that spectrum, I would say you have the, the legality of it. And while I will say that I am just now getting into the understanding of that impact, um, I will say that the very legalities are disheartening at the moment. 
Um, a lot of the people who aren't able to get cannabis licenses or dispensary licenses are not people who are black and brown. Um, it's primarily people who it's, it's an industry of individuals who are predominantly white, who saw an opportunity to make money, who saw an opportunity to tax that money for um, legal purposes, and then instituted it by going into their own social cliques which are already predominantly white in and of themselves. So you have a lot of these um, individuals who are profiting off of it, who have not historically had to be like regulated in response to being or oriented around it. Um, so there's a lot of room for necessity, like just, just growth of just who can access these licenses. How are they able to get these licenses? Even when they talk about like social equity in regards to cannabis, um, a lot of the pe the responses that you hear from um, you know BIPOC individuals are that well why offer us this ability to sign up for this dispensary license if the process and the requirements for the the license in and of itself is so high like even just apparently to get a dispensary license I think you have to have like fifty thousand dollars just on reserve and it's like well who's gonna have that money to be able to just apply for an application. You know what I'm saying? Like that's not even the entire product. You still have to have a brick and mortar. You still have to be able to have connections to like where you're getting your cannabis from. There's a lot of regulation around that. So to be able to deal with that, I feel like right now that the current industry is a, it's an industry of privilege, um, which kind of leads back into me saying that America's weird, where it's, it's like, we want to say consistently, the, you know, life, liberty and pursuit of happiness for all. But when you look at the cannabis, the history of cannabis and the cannabis industry, there's only certain people who are profiting from it and only certain people who are actually being like legally regulated because of it. Which brings into the whole discussion, the lack of any social equity policy, it sounds like when they instituted the legalization of cannabis in January. They didn't, it doesn't sound like your state put any um, thought into any social equity po policies or programs to allow greater access for brown and black people to get into these businesses? Would that be um, Yeah, it's, it's a lot of people who are already in the positions of power or in the social, ec uh, social economic spaces of access, creating opportunities for those who are already there. So um, they re I, I believe they recently uh, released a social equity plan, air quote, um, but I have heard a lot of response of like, dude, this ain't a plan. Who are you? Who, who is this plan for? <laughs> so it's, I, I, I do believe that right now, as far as like who can access, like, I mean, like who can even have, I will say that there is a local in a uh, space where uh, I, I do know that it's black owned and they're advocating for cannabis, but it also comes down to a lot of community support. So, you know what I'm saying? So as far as who can go through the system and get those that, that support, um, it's a predominantly white space, where as far as who can, who like it, it, the only space that I know of, um, which I think is soul wellness, I think that's a community. It's, it's a lot of, they literally got hit by the pandemic and the community came together to help them keep their doors open. So it, it's a very, there's not enough being done yet. Um, and this is just, kind of the history of America. Something new comes out, who benefits from it? And then like everyone else is like, even even with the COVID vaccine, right? Like who got it? People in positions of power, right? Um, how are they testing it? And, and then now they want, and it's funny because now they want individuals of color to be like, you need this vaccine. It's like, 
Okay, but you realize historically you've tested us without us giving the authority that you could test us or you've done a lot of things medically that are not been taken accountability for and now you want us to trust you. So I feel like it's the same situation with cannabis where it's like you've been throwing us in jail, you've been killing us over cannabis and now you're going to lock us out of the profit of it. Yeah, yeah. And we have a similar movement starting in Canada as well. There's an organization called Louder Together that's been circulating a petition uh, looking to take um, to petition the government to take a portion of the excise tax that they actually affix already on all cannabis sold, and instead of directing it right now, they right now they direct a portion of it to law enforcement agencies. And we're like, mm. instead of their policy, louder together, they want the government instead of directing that money to law enforcement, direct it to more. Um, upholding and repairing the industries that were racially targeted and discriminated by law enforcement in the war on drugs. I mean, yeah, I, I think that's important because what you're talking about is a systemic perspective. And I think that a lot of the our lawmakers, they don't understand systemic perspectives because they are the result of the systemic issues, the majority of them. Um, and so when you talk about like, even, even just the process of saying like, like defund the police was something that was, a, it's, it's something that's still, it's lost traction, but it's still a conversation being had. But the whole purpose of saying defund the police is a systemic perspective that I equate to like autoimmune deficiencies, right? Like if the body's putting a lot of energy into white blood cells and nothing's sick, the white blood cells start attacking the body. And we, as, and, and I'm pretty sure doctors would be like, that's not a good thing because if it goes too far, you can die. And so when we see that same systemic approach as far as like um, governments going, we need police regulation. What that really means is we don't want to be held accountable for how we institute things. We need you to just chill out. And then they, then they want people to kind of like go along with this process, which then again, from that systemic perspective, either the cops are going to just be very brutal, brutal towards those individuals that they're supposed to be policing, or the people are going to at some point say, screw the system, and then things are going to break down. So I feel like that, you, you bring up a very good systemic perspective that I wish people in positions of power had, but unfortunately, it is a process to get them to see beyond their positions. Exactly. No, I, and I completely understand that. How would you say your cannabis use has changed in the, the year post-legalization for you? Um, well, okay, so for me, post-legalization, because I, I will say Grind and Grow launched in January 2019. So in the, in, it's funny because like, I, so I launched it as like a holistic brand, as you brought up earlier. So my usage of it has shifted more from just a THC focused kind of a usage to more of a THC, CBD, CBG, like just understanding all the different um, chemicals that make up cannabis and how it works with my body. So I'm, I, it's gotten a lot more intensive with how I use it, um, understanding what works, when works, how it works. Um, that's more so my focus right now, because like, I don't want to come across like I'm a medical professional. I can tell you every little detail about cannabis, but um, it's about learn. like I'm cannabis is teaching me to be more mindful, not just in my use of it, but more in my uses of things around it. Like, so um, making smoothies with cannabis, like, oh, okay, if I'm, if I'm going to make this infused smoothie, because I make smoothies daily, like, that's just my morning go-to routine, um, but it's like, oh, I can infuse my smoothie, well, how many milligrams do I need to be, like, to be able to say I'm medicating versus I'm getting lit, like, I'm not trying, you know what I'm saying, I don't want to be lit at, like, nine in the morning, 
because I still have a whole day. <laughs> um, so yeah, so my uses right now have have really become more mindful um, because I think right now it's even interesting. I've had friends who have seen what I'm doing through my platform and been like, man, you know, you own something with this CBD stuff. I don't even really need to use a whole bunch of THC. I just I I, I tell them like I just mix my I mix my my herb like I mix my tea. Like I will put some lemon, some ginger, some turmeric, some elderberry into one whole little thing. And when I decide to smoke, I'm like, okay, I'll do a little bit of CBD. I'll do a little bit of THC. Okay, right now I'm trying to keep productive. So let me make sure that THC is sativa based. And then that way I, I can, and then, oh, let me use a, a dry a vapor versus like a concentrate because I'm more mindful in like, what do I need from it to keep being on the flow that I have for that day? Yes. And so really, yeah, what you're describing is exactly that, an intentional practice of cannabis use. Definitely. So thank you for describing it. Um, what would you like to see your city or even your state change regarding cannabis going forward? I know you um, but if you had to prioritize. <laughs> I mean, I mean, okay, so I will say that I'm not an Illinois native. So I'm originally from, uh, I'm originally from Missouri, St. Louis, Missouri. So um, my perspective is, an outsider living in. Okay. Um, so I will say that my perspective about Illinois is that it's, it's just a lot of historic government corruption and especially around social equity. Um, so if I had to prioritize something, I would say social, social equity practices, but I also understand that in order for social equity to become a thing, I would need the state to reevaluate its current practices about how it spends money on certain projects and how those projects affect. Cause I think what happens is people go, Ooh, let's do this thing for, for this community, but no one lives in that community. Um, a lot of times recently, especially with the protests, people are like, Oh, well, they are doing violent things. And it's like, okay, well, first of all, the people who you're generalizing, right. They are being beaten up by cops and you're only going to focus on the people who are destroying property, but you're not going to focus on the people who are destroying lives. And I think that that perspective is something that needs to be understood in, in government, because I think Illinois doesn't really understand that perspective, because even when you look at government, like the, just who's been the mayor and, and stuff like that, it's it's consistently people who are like, they're okay sometimes, but they have this long background that most of us are like, don't look, you like, it, it's like, you know, even with the, oh, why do I forget her name? Uh, her her face, the mayor of, I, I feel bad. All right. So even because, yes. Yes, I know look, your man, mayor's look. name is, is Lightfoot. Yes. Hey, hey, hey I, I'm a nomad. All right. I, I just, I'm a traveling Negro. So I'm just. It's okay. I to politics as it comes in my sphere there's no reason for me to know her other than you know she's technically about six seven hours away and she's a black woman mayor of a major city that's the oh and she's come up on my twitter feed so right but even with Lori, there are times when you like yeah Lori, you are for the people and then there's times when it's like okay Lori, why would you order the cops to go and stand outside of protest like i don't think you understand that as a black woman in the position of power I don't think you understand what you're asking. You're giving the cops the ability to, because even when I protested, one of the protests that I went to, there was a precinct. All the cops came out in front of their precinct in riot gear to defend their space. 
And it's like, why is the response to peaceful protesting? Go get my riot gear. Because so, it's actually competing institutions. What, you know what I mean? Like the police is there to protect and enforce the police and their, their view of the law. And then she's there elected by the people, but she's stepping into what, a two, 300 year legacy of, of yeah. law enforcement. So as much as I completely get the frustration, I do not think that anybody elected is magical enough that they were going to upheld, like, you know, like upend the system and change it in a single term, maybe even a single two terms. Like these, these institutions were put in yeah. place and have been upheld for so long, right? Like it's mm-hmm. not a one person thing. It's, it, it really isn't it. And it, I think it takes a multi-level and long-term committed approach. But I, I, you are right. I just, my understanding of causality just makes me go, how much more time? Because oh, and I don't, at, yeah, I agree. I, I don't think we have more because everyone wants to pass on these issues to the next generation. And like, again, looking at that systemic view, it's like, well, if my grandfather has asthma and I have asthma, I have to accept that there's this issue in my lineage that if I have a child, I might have to be able to go, okay, well, now my great grandkid may have asthma. And so how do I jump ahead of that issue? so that it's not a random asthma attack and then a death. And I think that no one, yeah, the system doesn't want to do that. The individuals only tackle things that allow their constituents to kind of feel like, oh yeah, look, they're doing a job. I think, it's, I think honestly, I would say that it's an overhaul needs to be done. Oh, like, it, it, but no one wants to do that because every, anytime I say like, oh, we need to start over, people are like, well, how would you do that? You can get hooked up on the how, or you can go, okay, well, either we do something different or we keep driving towards the same, you know, forest fire that we've always been driving towards, you know. But we also have to appreciate that there are systems and people that have been lifelong put in place to keep and protect those systems. So dismantling them takes a a super long commitment. So I'm never, I'm not saying that Lightfoot isn't too slow, by the way. I'm not saying that you should give her all the time in the world. I'm just saying, realistically, it was never going to be overnight and it's going to take continued pushes and a show that, you know, gets so much credit. And I and I really I, I hold it in high esteem because of what they show. Um, the Wire really mm. brought it home to me. There's not one single solution. The Wire showed me everybody has dirt on them. <laughs> I'm gonna, be, I'm gonna be honest. I feel like I'm one of the few black people that have not seen the wire. <laughs> Everybody was talking about the wire, and I'm like, okay, great. Uh, well, look, look, well, see, I have my own. See, I there, there's something that I'm like, I got that message in 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 the the you know the trailer for it. I'm like, I don't need to. But see, I got that message. Have you ever seen City of God or City of Men? Uh, okay, so Wait, City of God, Patrick Swayze one. No, see, this is a Brazilian movie. Okay, no, I haven't seen it. So Brazilian, so there was a series. I think it's like City. It started with a movie, and I think the movie was called City of God, and then it became a television show, and then it ended with a movie called City of Men, and it basically talks about um, the systemic inequality in the favelas, and it's. Um, as well as how the there's a police force 
called BOPI, which is literally a military trained police force for the favelas. And so it talks, it, the, the show follows like, um, it starts with like different people's perspectives, like one who's a cop, one who like lives in the favela. It starts with, with that perspective. And then the TV show follows these two kids who live in the favelas during their life. And then the show ends with a movie where it, it with the ending, where it literally shows how the context of living in that space is kind of turn people against each other. So you get to see like this whole contextual perspective of like marginalized groups, how people in power are in themselves, like forced to become these people, how it affects the people who are marginalized. And then like the out, like how do we live our lives within that marginalization? And so I feel like that, so that, that was my wire because I will sit and watch an entire movie in in Portuguese where most people be like, if it ain't, you know what I'm saying? Like if it ain't in if, if it ain't in English, I don't want to watch it. So that's why maybe I think I was away from the wire. So <laughs> if y'all like that, go time. check it out. There's still time to catch it if you ever want it. You know, <laughs> know what Black Twitter's talking about and that you're missing out on. <laughs> Look. I, look, I'll be. I'm. I'm that black. I'm the black dude that's all over the place. Cause like, even in college, like black people will come up to me and I'd be like, like I, I feel like I'm, I'm kind of Donald Glover esque. Where like when Donald Glover was first coming up, it was like, who's this weird black dude? And then like all of a sudden he started getting hot. And people were like, hey, like I'm the black dude. People come up to me and they'd be like, hey, like I mean, I'm all for black culture. I'm all for black history. But like, if if you like, hey man, let's play basketball. I'm like, mm, you missed you missed me on that. I nope, don't I don't ball. But then if it's like, hey y'all, who wanna go flip? Everybody's like, no, we're not we're not doing that. Will we're not gonna go flip with you. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I'm all over the place. So like I said, black nomad. <laughs> no problem. No, and you know, it takes all types, right? It takes all types. To make it all over. So. Your no, your nomadic existence is appreciated and definitely inspirational to a lot of people. I've no doubt, definitely. Um, what would you say stands out the most about your cannabis journey to date? Is there an experience? Um, I would say that the coolest thing thus far in my cannabis journey has been um, how cannabis brought me to end up working. So I cannabis brought me to end up working with a, a company called Hush Chicago. Um, Hush Chicago is a uh, cannabis jewelry and event production company. Um, they, it, it's, that, that, is the, that is the greatest, weirdest, coolest thing of my journey is because these two women, um, one, the one's Latina and the other one, she's of Filipino descent. Um, these two women are creating an industry and they're not just creating an industry. And I mean, like cannabis is here, but the way that they're cultivating it and the way that they are showing the possibilities of the world of what cannabis can look like in a normalized space is really cool. Um, after meeting them and only working with them a, a couple of times, I was able to, um, they ended up making me their event um, manager. And so my job literally became hanging out at a cannabis party, but it wasn't like an underground party. It was like, you came in, there's like, cause one of the, uh, the co-founders of Vanessa, she's, she's like a wet, she has experience as a uh, wedding and event planner. So you go in there and things are like fancy and pretty and you just like, Whoa, what, what am I in right now? 
And then Kay, who's the other co-founder, is like super dope. Like you, she made me realize the importance of just aesthetics because of like, um, she's also a photographer. And so I, there's something in my head now where it's like, if you don't get the shot, get the whole shot. And so the, the, these two women coming together and creating spaces, building brands, creating networks and coming together, they let me see that cannabis could be more than just smoking it. And I think they've also taught me like, you cultivate the work of cannabis so that you can have these moments of community. But the whole point is to just, it's bringing people together to conceptualize new perspectives around cannabis and how we can even like, even just fighting back against like the social inequities that are happening. Excuse me. So that I think is the dopest thing about cannabis where um, I know cannabis for me went from just who can like, whoever knows me, you know, I'll smoke with you if I'm cool with you on that level to now cannabis is this thing that is becoming a driving professional force, like creating a brand and they've, help me cultivate my brand and just being able to go, I now make daily time to do work so that I can incorporate cannabis into my life. And it's funny because now I don't even, I used to smoke a lot and now I smoke, like I say, I, I'm a very intentional smoker. So I smoke to stretch, I smoke to work out. I, you know what I'm saying? Like I smoke to like, oh, I'm gonna go for a walk and meditate. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like I smoke for that. Like it's, they have shown me that you can take this thing and use it in so many different ways, professionally and personally. And so that's the best thing of cannabis thus far. And um, so, I mean, you can check them out on IG. That IG hating on them because somebody, I don't, I don't know how this works, but like, IG keeps just flagging them for like, well, that's another thing. Like, IG keeps flagging them for like cannabis, but they, they're literally, they don't have flower on their profile. It's literally just jewelry. And so it's like, that's a whole nother thing where it's like, we're cultivating a, a safe, productive cannabis space. And then IG is just like fighting them. So, but the hus you can check out chicago.com um you, you can see their new year's eve parties like they have ice sculptures that they're, they're like it's just it's such a high level and especially for the midwest i think that perspective of what a cannabis space can look like like they've completely changed my mind so that i think is the dopest thing cannabis experience is just meeting people who are like we see you we hear you we want you to level up We're not gonna hold your hand but we are here to support you so that's the that is the dopest thing about cannabis thus far. Well, I love your enthusiasm and I, I really appreciate how you've managed to merge both cannabis and wellness so holistically and synergistically in your business. What's coming up next for Grind and Grow Chicago and your inhale and exhale, your inhale and stretch going forward in 2021? Um, so for right now, I am working on diversifying my content. So I am specializing my classes now. So they each will have like, there will be specific days. So like, um, one, like Mondays will be more of a like, kind of wake up Monday kind of a deal. Because I always Mondays are hard for people. I get it. Mondays are hard. So Monday is going to be like, hey, let's get up. Let's start our week together. Wednesdays, I want to focus a little bit more on like, just moving and, and while stretching. And then um, Fridays are going to be, I want to integrate some fitness into that. And then also I will be, uh, my goal is to spread out to YouTube. Um, I do have, I officially transformed my personal Twitter into my, my, <laughs> my grind and grow. So it's like, I, you can find me on my Twitter at uh, Puffin Guru or my handles at Dichotomy361. Um, but like Puffin, if you look up Puffin Guru, you'll find it. But, um, but no, like the goal is to spread out my platforms because I realize right now, like I do want to facilitate classes, 
at some point in the near future. Um, Cause I started with holistic wellness classes that you, it was an event that you can come to and like, I would teach a class and then there were like holistic cannabis people um, or, or local um, business owners who would sell, like you can get a dab before you worked out or you could get like a topical after class. Or I, I had like infused smoothies. It was, a, it was an event thing. Um, but now it's more so um, just spreading my reach out. So then that when I start facilitating those classes, you know, people, you know, they'll be there. I, I don't want to try to jump gun and like, let me start a class. And then people are like, did you, we don't know who you are, you know? So, so I want to give people the goal for 2021 is to give people more of me so that they can see, Oh, okay. He knows what he's talking about. And then, um, then start some classes that I can be able to teach and help people kind of, you know, do the same thing that I'm doing, which is be more mindful of cannabis. I love it. I really um, love what you're doing in Chicago and I look forward to following your progress going forward because you're up to some exciting things. So I appreciate uh, being a part of that journey, even if it's just a witness from, you know, so many miles away. (laughs) Could you tell our listeners one more time how they can find you on all your social media platforms? Um, So yeah, you can find me um, through Instagram at uh, grind and grow Chicago. um, And that is, you, it's it's spelled all the way out, so you don't have the or the N is just the letter N, so it's grind spelled out, the letter end, and then grow Chicago spelled out. Um, and then also you can find me on Twitter, um, Puffin Guru. There's a space between that. Um, my at is uh, dichotomy three six one. Um, I know that's a lot. I know people be like, what does dichotomy mean? Um, I'm gonna say read a book because um, that's why that's what I did. <laughs> Because I, look, I will say dichotomy explains me because I am a very, I, cognitive dissonance represented me for so long that now I understand the high and the low frequencies of self. But I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be, I will be meeting the people where they are. So if you just search Puffin Guru, you'll find that. Um, and then I'll be working on some YouTube pages um, pretty soon. So I will keep you guys updated on that as well. Thank you so much. Thank you for sharing all that and talking with me today and sharing your cannabis journey with our listeners. Stay lifted, everyone. Peace. You've been listening to the Miss Weed Wiki podcast, and we thank you for your support.